Welcome to Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. I'm Lynn Pryor, and my co-host is Chris Johnson. Chris, how are you today? Doing great, man. Good to hear from you. I look forward to this uh, podcast. Yes, because we're starting a new study. And of course, Chris, I'm going to let you introduce that in just a moment. But before you introduce that, I want to introduce our guest, and that is Ken Brady. Ken, thank you for joining us for this podcast. Lynn, Chris, good to see you guys, and I am thankful to be asked back. I think I was on the inaugural podcast that we did uh, way back when, and it's good to be back. Yes, well, thank you, and we're, uh, we're still here and still going. And uh, just if you're new to the podcast, number one, welcome. Number two, let me tell you about Ken. Ken is the, the manager of the ongoing group section, which is where Bible Studies for Life is hosted. And he is also uh, the director of Sunday School for Lifeway Christian Resources. Ken, in my opinion, is Mr. Sunday School. Uh, he and I work in church together, and he has an incredible passion for Sunday School. And Ken, thank you for that passion and sharing it with us. Man, happy to happy to you know have that privilege, uh, Lynn. It really is. I've uh, told people before I've been in Sunday School since you know, nine months before I was born. Uh, it was really important, really important to my mother. Uh, she made sure that my sister and I were there every week, and I credit her a lot for you know the the love that I've got for Sunday school. It was really important in our lives growing up. So thankful to be here and be a part of that ministry at Lifeway. Kent, uh, thanks for being with us, uh, Lynn. Thanks for doing the introduction, and we are starting um, a new unit of study. Our our topic for the next six weeks is titled After God's Own Heart. This is a study that was written by Dr. Tony Evans. When you hear After God's Own Heart, uh, I think we all, all, all automatically focus on David. David is a man who uh, was a man after God's own heart. And so we have linked the study, this study uh, with the Ten Commandments. So we lead with the Ten Commandments. For so for six weeks we'll be looking at one or two of the commands, and uh, this today we'll be looking at two, and then we'll look to a writing or to a historical event in David's life that shows how he lived out or didn't live out uh, the commandments uh, in his life. So there's a connection between the Ten Commandments and a man after God's own heart, and the idea is we want uh, people who who are doing the study to to help them to get to the place in their lives where their heart is for the heart of God, that they will be people after God's own heart. But, and that starts with knowing God's commands and living according to them. Right. Thanks, Chris. And the first two commandments we're going to look at are centered on God. Let me just, uh, of course, each week we're going to be in Exodus 20 as we look at a section of the 10 commandments. And so this is Exodus 20. Let me just begin reading in verse uh, three here. Do not have other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above, on the earth below, or in the waters underneath the earth. Now, the focus here obviously is on God. So as, as uh, we look at this, these two commandments, and then as, as we walk into the Psalms, this is our focus. This is the point for the week. God is to have the first place in every aspect of life. And I think because of that, it's appropriate that the Ten Commandments start with a focus on God. It's interesting to me that um, backing up just a little bit, Exodus chapter 20 begins with, uh, I am the Lord your God. That's how God begins it. Uh, this, is, this is who is speaking. I am the Lord your God. And uh, so it's, it's important for us to understand that um, he is 
uh, he is first and he uh, establishes that clearly uh, in Exodus 20. You know, Chris, uh, would you say, because you've, you've pastored before, and, uh, and would you say that most of the people in your congregations, if they were just, you know, asked kind of the man on the street type of an interview, uh, would they say, do you think that uh, God is first in my life? you think that most church-going people would say that? Yeah, I think, um, I think that that's what people know is the right answer <laughs> to that question. Of course, God's first in my life. Uh, I, if, that, if you're asking me if that is reality, I would say no, nowhere close. But I, I think that people understand that that's what they're supposed to say. Exactly. Yeah, Lynn, go ahead. Well, when, when you get into uh, the life of Jesus, when he met the, the rich young ruler came to meet him, so how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus rattled off a bunch of commandments, and the, the rich young ruler said, I've done all that. And so to answer that question, he would say, yes, God is first in my life. But then Jesus asked that second question, you know, about, about well, you know, give up, not the second question, but he said, give everything away. Because what he was revealing was, you say I'm first in your life because you've kept these commands, but that's not the case. And Chris, I think you're right. Most people would say, oh, yes, Jesus is number one. But the reality is it's, it, it doesn't bear out in our lives. Yeah, so yeah, it's, go ahead, Ken. Well, I think for most of us, um, I think myself included, all you got to do is, is look at, you know, two things. Uh, you can follow the money and you can follow the time, you know, and that'll tell you what's first place. You know, if I looked at my calendar or you looked at my calendar, I think you could tell really quickly, you know, who's first. And if you looked at where I spend my money, you could tell you know what I what I you know love and what I spend my money on, and uh, and I think that's I think that's right. I think I think we're 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 onto something. You know that most of us would say uh, that you know God is first, but then Jesus, uh, Lynn, like you just pointed out with that rich young ruler story, man, that's a little scary because you know Jesus just lifted up the hood a little bit and discovered and helped this uh, rich young ruler figure out that uh, even though he was about 99 percent there there was still one or 2% that was not really given over to the Lord just yet. And that's really challenging uh, to me uh, to think about trying to live in such a way that I am really, you know, giving it all uh, to the Lord. Yes. And it's very clear that that's his intent. Uh, so if, you, if we look at that first part, I'm the Lord, your God, you will have no other gods besides me. There will be no idols. So there's no idolatry. I'm a jealous God. I always will have first place in your life. I am exclusive. I'm the one and the only. So it's really clear that that's his intent um, uh, to be first in our lives. And uh, I, it's, I guess it's kind of surprising that people miss that. Well, I think one thing that we miss, uh, Chris, is you know when he, when he says, you know, I uh, am the Lord your God, then he says, who brought you out of Egypt, you know, who brought you out of slavery. And, and he reminded them, you know, that your relationship with me it ought to be grounded in the fact that, you know, I have been at work on your behalf. I am your God. I, you look at what I've done, look at the history here, you know, and it's not just follow the rules because I want you to follow the rules, but it's, I want you to love me because look what I've done to you to, to prove my love for you and reciprocate. Yeah. And the first hearers that had just happened in their lives. Yeah. He had just, just led happened. them out of Egypt. It wasn't like hundreds of years ago, God did this. It was last week. <laughs> And I think David, if we move into the life of David and the Psalms he wrote, David gives us a great example of that. And now we're going to be in Psalm 16. 
And this is, this is how Psalm 16 opens by David. Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, now this is the significant thing he says, you are my Lord, I have nothing good besides you. And there's that sense of he knows that God is God, he should be first, because he remembers all the good things God has done for him, which is what God was wanting the Israelites to see there in Exodus 20. Uh, that God alone, he, he is to be God because he alone is good, he's trustworthy. Yep, that I could not I could not agree uh, agree more, and I love the the way that the author in the study Lynn uh, kind of expands on that and and helps us to understand you know that little phrase, nothing good besides you know the author makes this comment you know that it was not just this blanket statement that you know everything uh, was terrible. It's that you know he was highlighting one of those important distinctions you know that God alone is good. And so I'm really thankful for the creative way that you guys, uh, you and Chris and the rest of the Bible studies for life team you know, have, have arranged this study. It's not just, let's look at the commandments, but it's also now let's go look at someone who was known to, you know, be somebody after God's own heart and see how this fleshed out uh, in his heart. I think it's gonna make a really great study. I've never seen us do this before. And so I think it's going to really be eye opening for a lot of folks as we go through this study. Yes. And Tony Evans, who, who wrote this study, he, he made a good point here. David, uh, David made this comment, you are my Lord, I have nothing good besides you. And he says, not everything, a lot of things may not seem good to us, but God uses them to usher in good. Yeah. So he wants us to see, and, and you look at David's life, he had a lot of bad experiences, yet he still looked at God as the source of everything that was good in his life, and how God even could use those bad things to bring usher in good. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he closes the section where he says, remember, if something is good, its source is God. If nothing does not seem good, the source may still be God. But even when we encounter something that truly is not good, I mean, in other words, it's evil, it should come across, it should remind us of the goodness of God all the more. Think, wow, what a telling statement. Yeah, and then he takes us, you know, uh, Tony Evans takes us to uh, Romans eight twenty eight, which I think most of us, you know, know that one uh, by heart, and uh, and and we find here, you know, the the promise that all things you know work for good, uh, but Tony Evans makes this comment. He says it applies to those who love God and who live according to His purpose, and then he says translation, it applies to those who put God first, and so we're now we're back to putting putting God first, you know. Isn't that awesome? I yeah. love him. I love how he just really clearly breaks down the scriptures and helps us to to look at the Bible from with just a clear from a clear perspective. That's so good. Yeah. So what David's helping us see here is that God is to be first because He alone is good and trustworthy. We're going to look a little later in the Psalm, and we're going to add to that to say that God is to be first because He alone is the way to eternal life. This is what David said in verse 11. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. And at your right hand are eternal pleasures. We make God first because well, he is God and he should be first. But he is the only way to those uh, to abundant joy, to those eternal pleasures. So and David in verse 9 says, um, it talks about that whole being dynamic. He says, my heart is glad, my whole body uh, rejoices, uh, my whole being rejoices, my body uh, rests securely in you. So 
there is that holistic dynamic at play in David's life. He, he understands that God is at work and it impacts, impacts mind, soul, body, spirit, everything in him. So Chris, and what you're saying is it's not just, you know, in the sweet by and by someday God's going to make all things good, that eternity heaven is coming. But I see what you're saying there. It's, it's the idea. Yes, that's, that part is true. But as we have that eternal life, we experience it now. That abundant joy is to be for now. Mm-hmm. You know, guys, as we wrap up this last section here, you know, every week, uh, Bible Studies for Life typically has, you know, these three sections of Scripture that we look at, you know, two or three verses at a time. I like the way this uh, study ends. I, I like the way that uh, we will have the ability, those of us that will be teaching it, uh, will be able to point our group members to the fact that, you know, Jesus said, uh, you know, he, was, he is the way, the truth, the life. You know, that, that real life uh, comes through a relationship uh, with him. And, uh, and that the ultimate purpose of the law, these Ten Commandments that we're going to study, you know, that people will go, oh, yeah, I know them. I've heard this. You know, I've been in vacation Bible school, been in Sunday school a long time. I know the Ten Commandments. But the reason that God gave us these Ten Commandments, I believe, is because you know, with these Ten, we can't even keep the Ten. And it's supposed to, it's supposed to point us, you know, to the fact that, that we're broken. And, uh, and we, if, if we can't fulfill these 10, then what hope do we have of any kind of eternal life with, with the Lord? And, uh, and that's where Jesus comes in. You know, he uh, lived and he died for us. And, and now we can have it that, that eternal relationship. And so I think we should not let our group members miss the fact that the 10 commandments just point us to the fact that we're imperfect and we needed a perfect savior to come along. Uh, not that, Hey, I can do all 10 of these, like the rich young ruler, Lynn, you know, Hey, I've got all this down. I, you know, I've done the 10, eh, not really, you know? And so I think we need to be careful to overestimate how closely we've actually fulfilled these 10 and knowing that we haven't, and that just should point us to the need for a savior. And so I have no doubt that in, in many of our groups, uh, there is going to be at least a person, maybe two, who knows if it's a big group, there may be more that, uh, that have never really acknowledged the fact that they have not kept just these 10, you know, and, and that these are folks that we might be able to point in this study uh, to the Lord. It'd be an exciting thing to see folks realize maybe for the first time, even as an adult, uh, that they have fallen short of these 10, fallen short of everything else, and, and that they can be saved today because of Christ. So this is a really, I think, a, what a great way to kick off this new six-week series. I think for some people, the whole idea of Ten Commandments seems like rules and regulations and um, almost a negative kind of dynamic at play. And I, I think that it would be healthy to talk about that God has established these things for our good if we get these things, if we live according to, to these perspectives, it's to our benefit. So if we will put God first, it, it has an impact on every area of our lives. If we, um, if, if we consider the prohibitions and the things that we shouldn't do, if we'll live according to those things, it's for our good. And uh, that, that's another reminder I think we need to keep in front of our folks, uh, especially those who are always there and um, just, just maybe don't give a lot of thought to uh, the Ten Commandments and the, the essential element uh, that they play in, in our lives. Well said, Chris. One exercise I've done with groups in the past as we have done the Ten Commandments is because, as you said, 
for a lot of people, it's just a lot of do, uh, don'ts. You know, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Uh, to challenge them to state those Ten Commandments in a positive way. You know, in other words, like what we've done with this one, you put God first. Uh, and it helps them to keep in mind it's for our benefit. And that may be a good practice to do uh, throughout this six weeks is to let's talk about how we can talk about these from a positive perspective. So that's a, that's a, that's a good idea. So this is kind of, this, this is the springboard into, uh, into the session, uh, in, into this study. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing what God has in store for us as we look at the Ten commandments and then look at David's life as well. Uh, Ken, thanks for being with us. I think you've got uh, a good word for us about uh, a tip that will help uh, leaders. So hang around with us if you're a leader of a group so you can hear this. And uh, uh, Lynn wants to talk to you about some other things as well. Yes. Uh, before uh, Ken inspires us with his teaching tip, I want to talk about a book that Ken has written. Uh, came out this past year called Breathing Life into Sunday School. Uh, it is a very practical, just very helpful tips on how to make our Sunday school a good, solid Sunday school. Now, uh, I can wax eloquently on it, but I think it would be great to hear from the author. So, Ken, thank you for writing this book. What, uh, what, what would you tell us about this book? Why should, why should we read this book? I think you ought to read this book uh, because most of our churches are using Sunday school as their, we're going to call it, I'm going to call it like their step two, you know, so in most of our churches, you know, we want folks to be in worship and that's kind of step one, but then what? Well, we want to put them in a smaller group, a Bible study group, a Sunday school class. And because so many of our churches have chosen to do that through Sunday school, we want our Sunday schools to be as strong and as good as possible so that we do an excellent job teaching God's word so that we put a good foot forward with our members and our guests and are attractive to those that God sends to us. And so the book was written uh, in such a way that uh, Lynn, you know, there's there, there, the subtitle is 12 essentials to revive your most important ministry. Okay. And it just turns out I didn't do this on purpose, but six of the 12 are things that a group leader has direct control over. And the other six are things that a pastor or someone on staff would also have some control over. And so together, you know, a teacher and uh, the pastor and or the church staff can work together to strengthen the, the overall Sunday school of the church. And so that's what's exciting to me is it kind of creates a partnership between staff and between group leaders like myself and others that are out there, you know, teaching. And so uh, I'm that's that's why I think it's a it's a great resource to pick up, and it's not a long it's not a long book. It's uh, just right about 150 pages. It's a quick read. I did that on purpose, uh, just so that it could be read in a night or two, and then uh, I think made it very very practical with some really uh, practical ideas and how to implement each chapter uh, that you read. And so I hope that folks are finding it that way. Uh, you know, we're in our second reprint right now. And if COVID hadn't hit, who knows? We might be in our third. But uh, <laughs> COVID kind of slowed us down a little bit. So the easiest way to order this is just to go to lifeway.com. That's right. It's not on Amazon at the moment. It's on life. Um, and you can just go there, type in breathe or breathing life into Sunday school. It'll pull up either way. Okay, good. Well, Ken, tell us, uh, give us a teaching tip. Yep. Uh, and, uh, it's food related today, uh, Lynn. Uh, so yeah, later on today, uh, I am going to put some really nice, steaks on the grill. My wife came home with these things last night and uh, came home with a bottle of marinade. And I thought, you know what, that, that is just illustrative of, of what it could be like 
as a group leader as we prepare our lessons. So I think we've got two choices, Lynn. We can, we can, you know, we can let our, our Bible studies marinate all week long and have a really great experience uh, the following Sunday. Marinating, in my mind, means that we're taking our time. We're starting early in the week. We're preparing by looking ahead, maybe even Sunday afternoon, at the next week's lesson, just kind of get an idea of where it's going, maybe look at the scripture passages, and maybe even take a quick uh, cursory read. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're digging uh, into our leader materials. We're looking at commentary. We're starting to form our teaching plans. We're just kind of letting things ruminate a little bit and uh, and marinate. And then by the time Saturday comes, there's really not much to do other than just review our notes, review our teaching plan, and get a good night's sleep. The other option is that you have to microwave your study, and that'd be for the person that you know kind of waits late in the week, and they don't really get started until Friday night or Saturday, and then Sunday's coming, and so they have to really rush through. I have found that I do a better job teaching when I have allowed the Holy, the Holy Spirit to, to work with me all week long and teach me new things, help me live out the truths that I'm reading about that I want my people to get, and, and then it gives me time to find current events. Uh, illustrations, an image, an object, something that I'm going to use to enhance the Bible study. And so I would say if you want to be a better teacher, learn to marinate your lessons and rather than microwaving your lessons. I think you'll be a better teacher because of it. Listen, thank you for listening to uh, Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. We appreciate so much you taking part in our uh, weekly conversations. Hope that it's beneficial to you. Uh, thanks to Ken and to Lynn for being with us and just pray, hope that you have a great week and uh, take to heart the focus of our lesson that we all need to place God first in our lives. 